Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. This is where Agent Smith and I go deep. Mr. Bill you. Yes, I like that. That was good, man. Uh, this is where we go deep on the Impact Theory main show where we take the ideas and concepts and things about the guests that made them awesome and we go a little bit deeper uh, and give you guys out there in live land a chance to ask your questions, join us, go deep with us. We're trying a new time slot today. We normally go live uh, with these bad boys at 12 p.m. Pacific time. We wanted to give you guys more time to watch the episode. That was a complaint that a lot of people had. Uh, so hopefully we will be joined by more people who have seen the episode and are ready to go deep. But don't worry. You don't have to have seen the episode to join in and enjoy an after impact. So welcome. Welcome, welcome. I want to remind everyone that if you are joining us on Facebook Live and Instagram Live, we're going to be giving away copies of Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. We have 100 copies. That giveaway continues. And the first thing you can do on Facebook if you want to get involved is share this Facebook feed, share this Facebook Live. We will enter you in to win the book uh, at the end of this show. And let me um, say this another way. You have a moral imperative oh. as, as a member of the uh, Impact Theory community. You guys have a moral imperative to share this. Uh, and this is a hashtag joke, no joke scenario where we are trying to grow this community. And if you believe in what we're trying to do, which is help people get out of the matrix, be the best selves and execute against whatever their dreams are. Uh, we get very specific about that from we're um, now beginning to actually work with our first wave of companies uh, and help them. Them, incubate them, get their ideas out into the world, and, and soon we'll be working with our first content creators. Um, so if you believe in that mission and want to see these things that we're going to help bring into fruition actually come to fruition, and, and hopefully one day it will be you that is able to leverage the power of the crowd that we're building here, um, you got to help build that crowd. So if you guys share this, that's widening the audience, making more people available to this. And uh, we're in phase one of three phases right now, and I'll talk about this each and every week. Uh, but the three phases break down basically like this. Phase one, community building. Phase two, technology over the community so we can identify virality uh, of ideas within the community of things you guys believe should be turned into something. So we need that community to be robust. And then phase three is monetizing that, turning those into businesses that can be self-sustaining and um, basically agents of change in the world. Uh, right. But we don't use the um, philanthropy model, which is amazing. And I'm super glad that there are people out there that are philanthropic. But I think there's a more powerful vehicle, which is something that is self-sustaining, does not come to the world with its handout, but instead exchanges something that is so valuable that people are willing to pay money for it. And that'll be phase three. All of the content that we do is free, free, free. And I want to make that abundantly clear. We're going to be delivering this crushing amount of value. It will always be free. Uh, we don't run advertising against it. Nothing. It is just free because we believe in what we're doing. We hope you guys believe in what we're doing. Uh, we believe that to really change society, you have to change two things. Uh, you have to change the kind of companies that are being made and thusly the kind of products that are being put out into the world. And then you have to change the way that people think about themselves. You have to change the cultural narrative. Uh, and so changing cultural narrative is very hard. And I think it requires that you change massive fundamental um, areas of, of storytelling. And so we're going to be influencing both social storytelling and traditional narrative. So, uh, we have a very big, um, thing in front of us, a huge mission, if you will, but that's the answer to no bullshit. What would it take to pull somebody out of the matrix? That's it. Those are the, the two areas touching people in commerce and, um, and mythology. And for those of you that haven't read The Power of Myth, man, if you really want to understand what we're doing, I highly recommend you read that. It will change your life, first of all. Uh, and then second, we will seem maybe just a little bit less crazy. There you have it. And to recap, share this, please. That's what, that's what we need you to do. <laughs> that was the moral of that story. And uh, so please share. And then for if you're listening on the podcast and you want to get involved on the live uh, the live taping of this, then check out uh, facebook.com forward slash Tom Bilyeu. You can follow Tom. You can see the calendar there. You'll see when we're doing these live events and you can get involved. Yeah, please dive in. All right, let's get into the episode. This is a it. great one. Um, I think the only place to start with Terrell Owens is on the topic of building a persona. Nice. So when he walked in that door, I was, uh, I was so shocked and surprised at the um, you know, calm, modest, uh, very humble, very gracious person that came and sat in the seat and, and had a great interview with you, as opposed to what we'd seen portrayed during his NFL career mm. and, and also the way that he was portrayed as, as an athlete, you know, very, um, very cocky, very arrogant, very, um, you know, he, he liked to showboat. 
that was uh, it was interesting to me. So I want to ask you, after interviewing him and spending time with him, what's the difference between Terrell Owens and T.O., and why does that matter? Man, that's a, that's a fun place to start off. Um, so the difference is night and day. I mean, T.O. was bombastic. He was an entertainer, and I think that that's really how Terrell thought of himself when he was playing football is my job is to entertain. Um, and, and maybe I'll make myself unpopular here, but I like that. I like showmanship. I like showboating. I like the celebrations and yeah, there should be limits for sure. And, you know, you don't want these guys wasting time. That would be the only thing that would really bother me. But like a five or 10 second celebration to me is, is, you know, part of the fun of it. And, and it's fun that it winds some people up and, you know, that makes for the drama. And I think that at the end of the day, especially NFL football and full disclosure, I am not a big sports guy. So if you want to totally disregard my opinion on this, that is very okay. Um, but as somebody that knows content, I will tell you entertainment is first, man. If people aren't entertained, they're not going to engage. And when you look at the NFL and dwindling viewership and you know all of that, at least in the, the key demographic of millennials, um, I, I really think that doing things that support viewership and growing that are, are pretty important. And I think um, Terrell was maybe ahead of his time. I think there's people that are a little more bombastic and celebratory now than he is, but he was one of the first people to do it at such a, a sort of in-your-face level. Mm -hmm. um, but it all it all showed a lot of creativity. So he saw himself as a, as a showman, and I think that um, and in his off- you know, field persona is the real him, I think is actually fairly shy. Yeah. Um, believe it or not. And, and I, he's, you know, humble. He's somebody that knew he was good. I don't think that was fake. And I think he really, really believed in himself. And I think he had a lot of confidence, but I think some of the, the more arrogant bombastic stuff was, was showmanship. Now, how does somebody, so, so to me, I think he actively built that persona and, and he leveraged that as a way to, become something greater than himself, right? So how does somebody, how does somebody use that as a technique, as a tool, right? Because when he started out, he even admitted like he wasn't really going anywhere in football. He was sitting on the sidelines. He didn't really get going until the senior year of high school. And he had to create this persona of T.O. who was going to be this superstar athlete who's going to put in the work, who had confidence. How can regular people adopt that same type of technique? Um, I don't know that it's, or should they? Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't know that it's the ideal way to solve the problem because, and I'm not saying this is TO's problem, but let's now make it universal. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people do that. They, they perform, right? They yeah. put on a role. It's a persona because they have so much anxiety. They're just really nervous, right? To step out and to be judged, be vulnerable. Uh, and if it's a persona, then you don't have to worry about that judgment and you can step out a lot more safely. Uh, and, and I get that. I just think that there's um, better ways to um, protect yourself from the anxiety, getting control of your mindset, um, focusing on de-escalating a situation that's making you anxious. You know, we just had Mel Robbins on the show today, uh, which is, she's incredible. And I can't wait for you guys to see her episode. And she has some really simple, very powerful ways of blocking and tackling to get rid of anxiety. And one of them is re-engaging the prefrontal cortex by doing a countdown from five, which I've never tried, so I can't vouch for the, the actual method that she uses, but she has a lot of people writing in saying that it changed her life. But the idea is that when you catch yourself getting anxious about something, you count back from five and engages your prefrontal cortex because it's just hard enough, it's just weird enough to be counting backwards instead of forwards as a finite end as you get to zero. Um, so all of that, she says, stops, re-engages the prefrontal cortex, Cortex, and then you have a couple options. You can either um, acknowledge the physiological symbols, which may actually not be true anxiety, but the physiological response that's identical, like excitement. So she says, just switch it. And in that moment where your body's just trying to, to make sense of those signals to tell yourself, I'm just excited, I'm excited, I'm excited, and to focus on being excited. Um, so that's one way to, to switch it. Um, so I think that, you know, in today's world, especially in such a hyper connected social world, he would have gotten farther if he had been himself, right? And been vulnerable and connected with people on a real level. And I think that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't celebrate. And I think that, you know, doing the showmanship really made sense to him. And it was a fun way for him to get excited, to challenge himself, to be creative. 
and we talked about that in the interview, you know, is, is he showed a real degree of creativity and yeah. a lot of this stuff was premeditated, you know, he'd think about it ahead of time and, and it was fun and, and that's why he did it. And it gave him another reason to obsess about getting into the end zone. And obviously his numbers show that whatever strategy he was using was working. And so if that was thinking about, you know, being able to do something funny or fun or in your face to the other team, then, Hey, it got him in the end zone. It got him to do the extra reps or whatever. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't think he was choosing between um, being authentic and doing that. So if it was a strategy for him to overcome sort of performance anxiety, to build up this whole persona, I don't think it's a winning strategy. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about the creativity. So he's known for his uh, touchdown celebrations. Have you ever employed that strategy of, of keeping yourself motivated by finding these creative ways to celebrate an end goal that you're trying to reach? Never. No, I, and I've always been really, really bad at this. And, you know, I'd actually be interested. So I'm going to flip the script on you, Agent mm-hmm. Smith. Um, as somebody that's been on my team now for a while, um, do you think we celebrate well? Or is it something that the team would benefit from really um, thinking more about? Hmm. I think we could do a little bit more celebration. I think uh, we are all a team that's very focused and uh, we don't do, we probably don't do enough of, of stepping back and reflecting because we're always on to the next thing. We're pushing to get to the next goal, which is great because we're very driven. But uh, yeah, I think we could do a little bit more celebration. You know, I've never said this out loud, but I really want you to know, I actually think you're a uh, probably the most team protective person on this team. You're definitely better than I am. Uh, you're very sensitive to the needs of the group and to making sure that we stop and pause and connect. And I think that's super, super important. And no, man, thank you. And, and I just think that that's so, so meaningful. Um, you know, know thyself. So I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's, that's where I'm at. I get so caught up in the momentum of like, I see my role as creating momentum sure. to have vision so that you guys know, like if you guys were to go take a much earned break vacation, that when you got back, you would just know, like you would have so much fun on vacation because you know, I'm fucking thinking about momentum. I'm thinking about making sure this company's moving forward, that the vision is crystal clear, that we're executing against that vision. And I want there to be so much confidence from everyone in this group to, that I'll be doing that. Um, but then at the same time, it's so important what you're doing, which is talking about connection, when we should meet things that, you know, he's pulled me aside a few times and said, hey, I really think the group would love to hear about this, like X, Y, Z, something that he's overheard or whatever. And, and I love having like that consciousness um, on the team. It's really, really important. So sure. to, to bring it back around uh, to the, the question that was um, actually asked, I, you know, I think that um, I've never done that. I don't think about celebration nearly enough. I'm totally focused on the next goal that, you know, if my goal, let's say right now, we want to get the, um, our ecosystem to a hundred thousand, that's step one. By the time we get to 50,000, I'm already at 500. Right. Right. So it's, and that's how I stay driven is how I stay hungry. We just did an episode with Jason Silva and he talks about this concept of humans are insatiable wanting machines. Like we just want, want, want. And I have fed that in myself. I stoke that fire. I want that, that hunger to never be satisfied, to always be pushing. And, you know, you could say that that diminishes the joy in my life. Um, you would be wrong because you don't know sort of the things that I, um, I focus, you know, building my joy out of. Um, but, but I would get why people from the outside, if they don't have my belief system, would think that. Um, but there is a, a downside to that, which is if you don't have someone doing what you're doing, which is remind us to stop really look at each other, really connect and like be pretty stoked on this moment, then I I think opportunities would be missed. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, 
pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things, and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online, and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Right. Well, good to know. We'll keep, we'll keep that moving forward. What was that, Cindy? I have an IG question. Oh, boom. IG, IG in the IG house. question. Let's go to the live audience. Great question. That's great. You want to give it to him again? Yeah. So the question is, what are practical thought patterns for harnessing anger into action as T.O. did on the field? Man, that's, that's a great. Good question. That is a great question. Um, so I am a huge believer that anger, self-hatred, let's really get controversial here. Anger, self-hatred, frustration, fury, um, they all have a place. And that people will never hit the heights of success that they want to hit until they can learn how to leverage that. And let's take the the most difficult one for people to swallow. And that's um, self-hatred, self-loathing, self-disgust, um, being disappointed in yourself. Once you understand how empowering that can be, when you realize that it is a tool you're using and it does not define you and that failure is temporary, that you can move beyond it, um, but that it's okay to, to say, I'm not okay with where I'm at. I'm not okay with my skill set. I'm not the person I need to become. I'm going to make a demand of myself. I demand that I do more, be more, um, execute against that, and be able to hold two competing ideas in your head. And I do this all the time. So there will be times where I'll be so disappointed in myself and so upset with something that I did. And 
part of my mind knows I'm only allowing myself to be angry with myself because for a moment, it's going to serve me. And you guys are going to hear me talk about that all the time. I do and believe that which moves me towards my goals, right? So if something serves me, I'm going to do it. So if being angry with myself serves me, I will do it. And when you're angry with yourself, but you're able to channel it into action and you make that simple demand that this isn't, I'm not just going to sit here and wallow in it. I'm not going to beat myself up. That doesn't do any good. But to get me to do an extra set in the gym, absolutely. To get me to do a full extra workout, to push a little bit harder, to drive, to let it be part of my hunger, to fuel a vision in myself of the person that I know I should be. And that, God damn it, I didn't live up to that. And I didn't live up to that because I had momentary weakness or whatever it was that I had and that I don't tolerate that in myself and I demand something bigger and better of who I want to be all the while, and this is so important, all the while being aware that this is a technique and that I'm not the moment that it becomes destructive, corrosive, that it begins to make me less of myself, then I stop because it's not serving me anymore. And that's the key, right? That's the key, that man. Because if, if you damage your self-esteem by being angry with yourself, um, you're, you're, you will have the opposite impact that you want to have. So do you think everyone's ready to uh, to employ that strategy? Self hatred. I don't think definitely so not. That that's like that's a, advanced level. That's PhD shit. That's that's like you're going for your PhD and this is a thesis. Yeah. Um. But I'm I'm letting you know like part of your journey is going to be to get there. So like for instance, right now I know some people that are hearing this. They um, they're now totally discrediting me and they think that I'm crazy and that makes me sad because anytime something offends you, you need to turn inward and look at that. Because there's something there. There's some reason that it offends you. Like I hear crazy ideas all the time. They don't offend me because I'm asking myself, is that useful? Can I use that? Like things should be judged by their utility. And um, that when understood and employed correctly has utility. Now, nine times out of 10, it's destructive, corrosive. People aren't ready for it. They don't understand it. And so it should just be avoided at all costs. And they should just focus on the the beauty of growth and learning and knowing that mistakes don't matter and it's okay and all that. But um, if you really, really want to accomplish at the highest levels, you're going to have to learn about it. Yeah. All right. So thanks for the question from our IG live audience. I want to remind them, actually tell them, we have a giveaway for you as well. You can win Tools of Titans. All you need to do is repost one of your favorite quotes from Tom Bilyeu's account on IG. Boom, man. Do it after the live you don't have to do it right now we'll collect them tomorrow morning and we'll give a copy of tools of titans away so just go in there repost find your favorite one share it with your friends nice and facebook live audience you can still share this live feed and be entered to win as well yeah please do share 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 in fact cindy how many shares do we have do we know let's get a tally we're manually counting 12 shares Wow. All right, guys, I'm impressed. Thank you. That's amazing. All right. You've, you guys have uh, really crushed it. So yeah, fair enough. That's great, man. We appreciate that very much. And a question for the live audiences. What would be the ideal time to have this episode of After Impact? That is amazingly simple. So there's two parts to this question. What time of day? And also what day of the week? Because we've been doing it on the same day that uh, the episode launches. Some people have said they don't have enough time to actually listen or watch the episode. So do you need some more time? Because we can shift the schedule. So let us okay. know in the comments. That'd be awesome. Yes, thank you guys for taking the time to give us feedback. All right, let's talk about... So one of the, one of the themes of the episode for me, or the, something that uh, Terrell kept repeating was, and, and he's a very uh, gracious and hum- humble person, like we've said, is, you know, I just had these opportunities. I was given this opportunity and I decided to act on it. Mm. Um, it it's an interesting way to kind of frame uh, what happens to you in life or what you make happen. So how do, how do people become aware of opportunities that are laid out in front of them? Because I think it's easy also to also just be blind to it, right? And uh, how do they seize those opportunities? Dude, that is an awesome question. Let me tell you, the answer is very, very clear. If you're not ready for an opportunity, you're not going to see it. And you're not going to mm. see it because every ounce of your psychological immune system is going to make sure that you don't see it. Mm. Because if you see an opportunity was presented to me, but I can't capitalize on it, like that would haunt you. So people would just be like, yeah, nothing ever comes my way. Um, But, you know, think about it for a second. If you're a high school athlete and you're playing on a team with somebody who's amazing, and this is actually what happened to Terrell. 
um, and a high school or somebody comes from a college to recruit that guy. Now you can be pissed off that recruiters never come to see you, which is 99 times out of a hundred. That's sure. what's going to happen because the psychological immune system will not let you see the obvious truth, which is that there is a recruiter watching your game. And if you crush it and deliver an just obscene amount of value, you're going to get noticed. And that's what happened with Terrell yeah. is no one scouted him directly. They were there to scout another player. And he was so good that they caught his attention. So that really comes down to Terrell was prepared. So he wants that recruiter to come. He wants him. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're here to see me. I just need you to see the game that I'm in and I will get your attention. And that's exactly what he did. And it comes down to preparation. That's awesome. And it leads right into this next thing. I'm going to paraphrase something he said in the episode, which is, if you put in the work, this is what he tells his son, if you put in the work, it's going to pay off. It may not pay off when you want it to, but that's the beauty of preparing yourself. I just love that because yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's like you've re- you got to be ready for the opportunity yeah. and you just put in the work day in and day out. No question. And you know, I can give a story from my own life um, of how that happened when I met the guys who ended up becoming my business partners at Quest. Um, you know, I'd been just grinding, 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 trying to get really good at teaching um, and giving lectures and, and talking about filmmaking and sort of where filmmaking and commerce met and, you know, not letting myself fall into the trap of like pure artistry where there's no commerce to be had. And which to me is, you know, basically you're just a poet, um, and with no, you know, idea of how this plugs into a grander ecosystem and film is, you know, very much a, a commerce function. So, um, I just been really working, working, working and, and putting in crazy hours, like doing lesson plans. And for anybody who's ever taught, like that shit is so time consuming. Oh, I know it's crazy town. Yes. Like teaching is obscene. I don't know why people do it. I am so <laughs> grateful for every teacher ever. Because to understand how much time and effort it takes to put those lessons together is nuts. Uh, so anyway, I was doing that and I was, you know, up late, working all the time, like trying to really excel. And then so these two guys happened to come and hear me speak. And uh, they were like, dude, this guy's really interesting. You guys know the story. They hire me as a copywriter and, and the rest is history. But if I hadn't been prepared when they walked in to hear me talk, like if I hadn't crushed that talk, if I hadn't been on like honestly just on another level as somebody giving a talk um then i never would have gotten the chance to be the crappy copywriter who has to claw his way to the top but it was because i was you know i didn't have a master plan i just knew like whatever you're gonna do be great at it like be great at it and if you're that good and people come your way then you know things might happen for you but it all starts with getting obscenely good at something yeah for sure All right. Uh, One of the things that Terrell says is there's a difference between listening to understand versus listening to respond. Yeah. That was a cool part of the episode. I want to hear your thoughts on that. What's the difference to you? And is there times when you use one or the other or should you only use one? Um, You should only use one. And, and, you know, Terrell really showed the depth on that one because that's like a framework type of um, analysis where you're really looking at the way the world works. You're looking at human relationships and connections. And, you know, that's a a really powerful, powerful concept. So the difference goes like this. Uh, When you meet somebody and they tell you you their name, um, you are most likely going to forget their name because all you're thinking about is what you're going to say next, your name, how you're going to greet them. Uh, And so that's why people don't remember the other person's name. Uh, it's a horrific form of communication and it really um, makes it one-sided, right? And it becomes almost this automaton dialogue between two um, chatbots, you know, where it's like <laughs> there's the, this cultural exchange happening of, hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How's the weather? Right. To the point where if somebody said, or here's a great example, we've all done this. You're checking in on your flight. All right. Thank you, Tom. Have a great flight. Thanks you too. They're not flying anywhere, right? They right. work at the airport. Right. But you're so like in that just standard back and forth exchange that you don't really think. Versus the other one that he's talking about, which is really like engaging with the person and hearing what they're saying and really actively listening and trying to create what they call theory of mind, where you're able to actually reach inside their mind, see their feelings, what they're trying to communicate, what's really going on, the things that aren't being said, right? And and so much of, and this is uh, with interviewing, one of the things I try to get really, really good at, and I don't mean interviewing here, I mean interviewing as an employer. Um, you know, when you're interviewing potential employees, we have to get good at is what isn't being said and what they're saying with their body language. Mm-hmm. And it was 
crazy how the vast, vast majority of what they were communicating to me was, was totally silent. Mm. So whether, cause I'm looking beyond like the, the resume questions I'm looking to, are you going to be, um, mean? Are you going to be kind? Uh, are you driven? Are you hungry? Like, and you can get that a lot from body language, dress, the way they carry themselves, how they talk versus what they say. Um, there's so much communication, but you really have to train yourself to listen, uh, because it's just not natural because you're so, most people are so thinking about their side of the conversation that they would rather miss all of that, like subtext, subtlety, nonverbal communication, than have a slight gap before they respond. That's interesting. What are some of the things you pick up on in interviews, nonverbal cues? Dude, I'm telling you right now, watch people's posture. It is it is insane. Like people just give shit away in their posture, mm. like crazy, crazy, crazy. And so what I used to do, because everyone like, what's one thing, and this will be interesting to see, because it's so universal, but I'm not sure you put your finger on it. What's one thing that nothing's universal, but almost, almost every single person that comes for a job interview, especially with me, because I was the owner of the company, what were they? One thing that they did or said? No, that they, they were in a state, a certain state. Oh, I don't know. That's a, that's a you know, more specific question. Yeah, because... And is, the, uh, is it their attitude? No, they're nervous. Oh, yeah. They're just nervous as shit. Yeah. Like, they, they can't think straight. And so I'm sitting there going, the blood has left their prefrontal cortex. Mm. They're surviving on instinct right now. They've got, like, sort of planned answers. And my job is to get them past the planned answer. Right. And so role number one for me as an interviewer was lower their guard, get them relaxed, like get them to be themselves, you know? And so I would just call it out. Like, this is the weirdest fucking environment ever. You're sitting on one side of the desk. I'm sitting on the other. Like, you're supposed to convince me to hire you. Like, you know, this is, this is just set up from word one to be a disaster. So the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to chill. Now, by the time you came, we were doing, we were um, testing, interviewing as teams, which really must have fucked with people. Uh, so you'd come in and there'd be like 12 people interviewing you, which is a I think nightmare. I had five or six. Yeah, because you were, that was on the IQ team. But yeah. uh, we had people interviewing with entire departments. So that, that was crazy. And I just thought, I, that one was tough because I knew like the first 10 minutes of this interview were just about anxiety management. But once you get people past that, then you can really read their body language. Because at first it's just going to be nervous, right? It's going to be turned in. If anybody knows what kyphotic means, um, kyphotic is where you roll your shoulders inwards, your hands mm -hmm. turn in. Um, and that's where people start. Once you get them relaxed, then you can really see how they present themselves. And are you giving them the... You know, once they're relaxed, you're giving them the okay to um, start to be aggressive or to, you know, still be super shy and reserved or, you know, blunt, funny, like whatever is their natural personality. But um, yeah, people, the one thing that people will reveal in body language probably faster than anything else is timidity or aggression. Hmm. Very interesting. All right. Want to remind our live audiences, we have some giveaways going. We're giving away Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. So, Share, repost your favorite uh, quote from the Tom Bilyeu Instagram page. Share on Facebook this live feed. Um, also on Facebook, if you want to get involved, share in the comments your favorite uh, guest quote or Tom quote. Just something that you've picked up from one of the episodes. It can be a paraphrase. We're not going to hold you to it. We're not going to, uh, to go word by word, but... Go ahead and put that in the comments. And you know, we'll one thing you I, I want to give people a technique that I use. So sometimes you want to be able to say I'm quoting somebody and that that shit needs to be verbatim. When I'm taking notes, I actually put it in quotes. So if I see True. my notes a year later and it's in quotes, I know that I wrote that down verbatim. But sometimes it's long. It's an idea. Maybe they say it clumsy, but the, it's still powerful. I'll write P colon and then the gist. I like that. So I know in my notes a year later when I can't remember it, this is a paraphrase. This is a quote. And that's how I have the courage to be like, I'm quoting this person or, hey, they said something like. But then I'm probably the only crazy person that takes like detailed notes for quotes and shit like that. But I think some of our listeners yeah. probably do too. Wow, so Jerry, there you have it. There's Jerry's the Tom technique. You guys are like super powerful. I love it. All right. All right. Do we have some questions? Yeah. Let's do it. So this one comes from Ian. Um, Is that Pettit Sounds? Pettit Sounds in the house. What's, What's up, up, Ian? Ian? Yep, so our boy. 
the differences are between them. So the question is, can you expand upon the three Ds from the interview, which were desire, determination, and discipline? Desire, determination, and discipline. To give you his answers, um, you'd have to go back and watch the episode. I don't have them memorized. And that was actually a question. I don't remember that if I asked him about the difference, but it's so, so central to his methodology and what he's teaching people. But desire is hunger, right? I mean, you've really got to want it. Um, dedication, why don't we do dedication last? Discipline is really about... Um, doing the things that you don't want to do. I mean, there's just so many things. If you want to get great at something, there's so many things that you're going to have to do that you don't want to do. Wake up, do the extra set, whatever. Um, that is so, so critical. And most people just, they don't, right? They lay in bed, they skip that workout, they don't eat right, they they just don't make the choices that they know they're supposed to, right? And that, to me, is really what discipline is about. It's when you know what you're supposed to do and you actually do it. Dedication to me is the most important, and I'm going to round this up to grit. And dedication to me carries a connotation of over time. So doing these things over time, right? Having hunger expressed through discipline over time, that's how you win. And so many people, and I'm, I'm beginning sort of my own quiet rebellion against the word patience, because I don't think what people mean is patience, because patience to me is passive. It's about waiting. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to play the game for a long time. You have to have grit. You have to have perseverance. You have to have dedication. It's got to be something that is done over and over and over with urgency as fast as you can. Balls to the wall, like going all out. But year after year after year. And that's what people don't understand. And right now the message being put out there by people who I love and respect, and I think they're so amazing, but the words they're using are be patient. Mm. And I think that gives people the wrong notion. I think it, it makes people and, and, um, you know, the people that are saying it, look, I know they mean what I'm saying. They don't right. mean sit back and wait. They they're, mean, go fucking They're saying it. don't get frustrated too. Yeah, right? exactly. Be patient, don't get frustrated. Right. Respect the process. Yeah. But you can be more active. In that you got to be hyperactive. You yeah. got to be like all in. You got to be going 100 miles an hour at all times. Have any more questions from the live audience? Yeah. Um, so this one comes from Michael Foster. Michael Foster, man, in the house. Dude, that guy is like commenter extraordinaire. He posted the other day on a post. I can't remember which one. His comment was better than my post. So <laughs> mad respect. Like there you it, have it. It, Yeah. People should be reading the comments on these things. Like sometimes they really are like just adding a layer of depth to what we're talking about. I love that. This community is dope. Yep. Um, so this question is, what surprised you most about TO? And do you believe athletes have a more growth or fixed mindset? I'll repeat the question. What surprised you most about TO? And do you think athletes have a more growth or fixed mindset? The thing that surprised me most about TO, straight up, no question, he was shy. So when he walked in the door, um, I was just so surprised at how like quiet and reserved he was. And um, it, it really, as we started doing the interview, I could see him like really coming out of his shell. And I thought, wow, that's so amazing because he's used to performing in front of like 80,000 people with millions of people watching at home. Like pulling Sharpies out of his socks. Yes. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I did not see that coming. I was super surprised by that. And that really, really, you know, to your earlier question about that persona that you build for yourself and, and maybe that was what he was doing and, and how he got himself out there. Or maybe he just a uh, switch flipped in his mind and Strahan, Michael Strahan, another NFL football player talked about that is there's a switch in his head and he had to flip it to go out and play and to, to really go after guys and hit people hard and just, you know, play after play after play show up with just aggression and intensity. And so maybe that was it for um, Terrell as well, you know, that he had a switch and he flipped it and, and can go out and do that. And, and his interview was great and he showed up and he really engaged and he was amazing, but his default setting is shy. And I just did not see that coming. Uh, do I think um, athletes have a growth or a fixed mindset? Um, it's everywhere is a, is a scale. People are on a spectrum, right? So I don't think that you're going to get to um, the elite level without having just a shit ton of grit. Um, so, you know, for the in the area of sport, they probably have very much a growth mindset. Sure. Um, I don't know that they always have a growth mindset in everything. Uh, in fact, I'm sure most people don't. Uh, it's really hard to develop that attitude across everything. But I, I would be willing to bet that at the professional level of sports that you would just find, like if, 
in the average population, it's 20% of people have a growth mindset. I'm going to guess in professional sports, like 70%. Like it'll just crush the average sure. for sure because of what they have to put themselves through to get to that level. And it's interesting, speaking of growth mindset with Terrell Owens, I mean, he's parlayed his very successful NFL career into uh, his career as an entrepreneur, his career as a speaker. I mean, he wrote a children's book, right? Yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. Like the, the children's book was the other thing. I was like, what? I literally looked it up. I was like, is this the same Terrell Owens? <laughs> or is this like a really common name? Uh, but no, it's him, man. And, and yeah, he's, uh, he's doing his now um, athletic leisure line. Prototype 81. Prototype 81. Mad shout out to that. Actually looks great, man. Like, dude, I was pretty blown away. That kid's got style or he's hired people to have mad style because it's really good clothing. And it's, look, as somebody who launched and then shuttered uh, a clothing company, let me tell you how hard that shit is. Mm. Uh, it's hard, 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 hard. And, um, man, at a minimum, he designed a beautiful line. Maybe it doesn't ever take off. Maybe it does. Maybe it crushes. It was beautiful, though. I was really, really impressed. That's awesome. Um, so I have another one. This one comes from IG, from Christoph Kaufman. Um, how do you make sure to, um, how do you know which idea is worth integrating into your vision? So the question from IG Live is, how do you know which idea is worth integrating into your vision? All right. This is where we separate really building a business from the bullshit of follow your passion because your passion may leave you broke as hell. Now, it may also be able to be placed at the center of everything you do and that you can find a way to um, monetize that, but that you have the sobriety to be asking this question is critically important. So the first thing you need to do is identify the marketplace. Who are you trying to serve? Next, identify their pain point. What are you going to make go away for them? What is the value proposition, right? Of everything you do, you've got to be asking, what is the value prop here? Why is somebody going to trade me money for this thing? And then last but not least, can you do it better than anyone else in the world? If you can answer in an affirmative, useful fashion those three things, then you should take it and you should put it into your idea. You know, but at the end of the day, you, you have to be serving somebody. It's got to solve a problem for them. Um, and, and it's got to be something that you can be the best in the world at. Because, you know, at the end of the day, even if you're a fast follower, like the goal is to out Apple Apple. Like if you're not going to be innovative like Apple, then you need to be better at whatever, making it faster, making it cheaper, somehow delivering more value to people. So if you look at, you know, what Android's doing, there's more Android than iPhones, right? Like by some crazy number, I think. Yeah, um, I think so globally. Yeah, right. they don't make as much money. Hey, so that's a whole nother thing, but they, more people use it than use Apple. So you've got them as the fast followers. Um, and Google wasn't the first search engine. Yeah. Everyone remembers. Another, and that, that's really a great story because they really did just outperform everybody. They had a better algorithm yeah. and you know, the rest is history. And quite frankly, can we all admit they had a better name? Yeah. I mean, it, just, now, now it was it fun like to say. Yeah. I remember the first time somebody <laughs> told me the name of the search engine. I was like, What? They're like Google. It's memorable. And I was like, Google? Like, that's fun to say. I'm going to go Google some shit. So, yeah, I mean, and... Oh, I don't oh, remember yeah. the very first ones, but yeah, like oh, yeah, Alta Yahoo. Vista. Well, they were actually pretty late to the party as well. They were, like, I think they were before Google. Alta, they were definitely, yeah. 100%. I think you had Alta Vista. Uh, the, they were late too. There was... I, I should remember these because there was a Lycos. point in my life when these were like meaningful uh, to me back when I first got involved in business. But um, yeah, like Ask Jeeves was late to the party, um, Yahoo, but there was like a whole run of people that, um, that, that came pretty early in the game. I'm surprised there's nobody now. in our comments throwing them out. No, nah, nobody remembers. Alta Vista is the only one that I really remember off the top of my head. Um, but there were, yeah, there were a host. Lycos, were they a search engine? Yeah. Now I, I could guess. just be making things up, but they had a dog as a mascot. We are officially at the edge of my understanding and memory. Um, there's a there's a part in the interview when Terrell says, uh, I think it was when he was at college and he was like, Yeah, I was just, you know, we were eating ramen noodles and I was just working out nonstop. And that was just a time in his life when he was really, really grinding and he didn't have a lot and he was just making it work and still mm -hmm. pursuing his goals. And I know you've had times in your life when it was like you're scrounging in the couch for change to yeah. put gas in your car. 99 cent burritos, three for yeah. 99 cents. Tina's burritos, don't know if they still exist, but that was my Shout ramen out noodle, baby. Yes. <laughs> so what, what sustains you in periods of your life like that? 
to, to keep pushing forward, to keep moving toward your goals and not just give up and say, well, I guess I'm eating burritos the rest of my life. Man, for me, it's, it has always been uh, an absolutely astonishing blend of beauty and rage. So um, I've always wanted to do something just from a place of passion, right? So I was moving towards something. And so for me, um, it's, it's about everyone's panicking about the logo disappeared off the TV, um, that you, you need to be going towards something and moving away from something, right? And most people are either doing one or the other. They're either moving towards something or they're moving away from something. But if you can do both, so I was aggressively going after um, becoming a great, like my first movement was great filmmaker. I wanted to be a great filmmaker. And then it was, I wanted to learn business so that I could get rich so I could control my art. And so I wanted to be a great businessman and I wanted to get rich. And then there was also just, I was horrified by my circumstances. And so when I was eating, you know, the Tina's burritos, when I had to scrounge um, to get enough gas, and I, I think I was going for a job interview. And I remember at the time, not like it didn't occur to me that, oh, one day this will be like that quintessential story that I tell over and over and over. But I actually, because this is back in the day when everybody carried change in their pocket. Like, and I wonder like what kids hear today, because now most everything's like credit cards and I don't think anybody really keeps Bitcoin, change. yeah. Yeah. Money Bitcoin. isn't real. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but back in the day, you would have all your friends over, they would always have change in their pocket. So it was like a real thing to think that there might actually be change. And there was, and I put together, I don't know, like got a gallon of gas was like, Jesus, a dollar forty or something, yeah. and I I got like ninety eight cents, and I thought, okay, I've got enough gas now to get to the interview and back, and and that was just where I was, you know what I mean? It's not like I was crying about it, but that's where I was, and I just did not want to be there. I didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't want to be doing jobs that I didn't like. I didn't want to be, you know, this is in my king of remedial jobs phase. I just didn't want that stuff. And I really, really wanted to succeed. And I wanted to succeed as a filmmaker because this one was before I started teaching. So um, that was when I was sort of at my financial lowest and was, you know, just really, really moving towards that and towards being great and then towards or away from, excuse me, away from that always having to worry. And my mom was going through financial hard times and I wasn't able to help her. And so, you know, it was just the, the being upset with myself that I was supposed to graduate USC with a three picture deal and be rich already. And, and I wasn't, and I was really struggling and, and I didn't want to be that guy, you know? So like, how do I really pull this shit off? And so, yeah, I was disappointed in myself. I was angry with myself for where I was and um, so it was you know kicking myself in the ass and and at the same time remembering that beautiful thing that excited me awesome I want to remind everyone that is watching us live we have several giveaways going simultaneously for tools of titans we're giving away a hundred copies it's an amazing book you can win one a lot of people have already won them so on Facebook if you want to share this live feed we will enter you to win on Instagram if you want to repost a quote from Tom's handle on Instagram, we will enter you to win. Do that some, at some point today. Um, you can share your favorite guest quote on Facebook. Um, you can send in a, your subscription. Take a screen grab of your subscription to the podcast, which nice. we're really trying to grow an audience for right it's now. It's a podcast. Send iTunes. us your screen grab. Send it to connect at impacttheory.com. We're checking that every day. and We're giving away a, a copy of Tools of Titans. Um, and if you want to post about it on Twitter, yeah. post about the podcast on Twitter. That'd be dope. Share it with people. Hashtag be legendary. Hashtag impact theory. Get us out there. Nice. Yes, please. Yes, please. Let's do do we have community. any more questions from the live audience? I have a follow-up from Christoph. Let's do it. Um, So the question is, what do you think is the key in, develop, in developing your own potential? A growth mindset. Yeah, there really is, like it all starts with that belief, right? So because what really stands between you and wringing every drop of potential out of yourself is skill acquisition. Uh, but you can only acquire the skills that you believe you can acquire. And if you don't believe it, uh, you feel that your talents and intelligence are fixed traits that can't be changed through hard work and discipline, um, then you just won't even attempt. So that's why I say that, you know, Mindset the Book by Carol Dweck is the most important book in the English language because it's the most important concept uh, and it's foundational to everything else. And, you know, once you've read that, then you should probably get on grit. 
which will teach you that even something as sort of ephemeral and seemingly innate as grit is a developable, developable skill. You know, mindset is really big in education circles. I've as noticed. it should be. As it should be. Teachers are big into it. They teach the book. They they try to adopt the ideas and teach mm. their young pupils about it. And having a growth mindset, I think, is awesome. Dude, start at an early age. It's amazing. Right? And there was like a whole viral thing about that teacher. That yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm proud of us for that one. Oh, that was amazing. Hashtag mad respect, Cindy. So there was this woman who wrote like all these uh, encouraging words on her students' desks about like you work hard and all just like growth mindset-y stuff. Um, So rad. And just really showed somebody that got it. And you knew any student that's in her class is going to be better off than they would be with virtually anybody else. Um, And so we sent her some gift basket love and just to encourage that because it's dope. That's That's awesome. Shout out to my mom, second grade teacher, Ah. adopting the growth mindset principles in her class. She has some posters up that are about working hard. Nice. Wow, man. Mrs. Agent Smith, like I'm not sure about the... the the teaching thing because that's masochistic but um it is it is like one of the greatest services anybody can do like that's so amazing uh and just you are a saint anybody who's a teacher you're a saint for dedicating yourself to to teaching people man that's fuck like that is seriously if we have any teachers out there listening right now please know that i did your job just briefly enough to know that i did not want to do it long term because it is hard uh, you guys are amazing, and I'm grateful to every teacher I've ever encountered. Just thank you for teaching. Thank you, thank you. I will second that. All right, do we have any more questions from our live audience? Uh, we have one more from Sheila Fitness. At what point in your life did you decide to start cultivating the mindset that you have today? Oh, man. For me, uh, the the mindset as it exists now really started post-Matrix. Um, so that was the, the demarcation point in my life when I saw that movie and realized that I had pulled a web of lies over my own eyes and that I had limited my own beliefs that began a very clumsy exploration. I don't want to paint a picture like I saw that movie and then everything was different. I saw that movie and I began a path and that path was to really acquire skills and to understand that I was limiting myself and my own mindset uh, and to just start reading, reading, reading voraciously. Um, and yeah, so that really was, and that happened, what, 99. So it was right after I graduated college. And I graduated college in the, the death grip of a fixed mindset. Mm. Um, and that makes me very, very sad. And uh, some huge missed opportunities there to really have learned and grow. Because um, I was much more focused on looking cool and getting my three-picture deal, uh, which stopped me from, from um, developing as fast as I could have. Uh, as a as a filmmaker, but you know, there you have it. Here we are now. All right, you have anything else? That's all the questions for all me. All right, then I think we're gonna wrap up. Everybody, thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of After Impact. Uh, this is where we go deep on the main show impact theory so we thank you guys for joining us and for submitting your questions this is a weekly show so be sure to join us and hit us up with your questions so that we can tailor make this to what you guys are responding to in the episode we do not take your attention for granted we are very grateful for every share every like every comment that we get so thank you guys for being a part of this amazing community and until next time be legendary my friends take care Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. If this content is adding value to your life, our one ask is that you go to iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review. Not only does that help us build this community, which at the end of the day is all we care about, but it also helps us get even more amazing guests on here to share their knowledge with all of us. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. And until next time, be legendary, my friends.